Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as the Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams, where Nat and Sarah honed in on their three-step process, purposefully translating the esoteric into the tangible. Nat Cook gained her experience as a five-time Olympian in the sport of beach volleyball and reached the pinnacle by winning gold on her home beach of Bondi in 2000. Using the law of attraction before she had a name for it, one of her manifestations was meeting a fellow Canadian beach volleyball player, Sarah Maxwell, in 2001. Falling in love, they trained and competed against one another in Australia for years before marrying in 2008 and creating their biggest joy, their beloved four-year-old daughter, Jordan. Manifesting their dream of living in Europe, they have recently returned from their Swiss adventures as the full-time family where this podcast was birthed. During the unprecedented COVID-19 lockdown, the podcast has been cleansed with a fresh new colour, design and even a new name, which means Nat has been booted off the show, of course. No, I'm just kidding. She will still be featured. But the time had come to raise the game and bring you even more uplifting conversations from entrepreneurs making their mark on the world, parents who are demonstrating what's possible, doctors, therapists and experts with a contribution to make legendary athletes who have been living out loud for years. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with one of the winningest Olympians of all time. Sorry, Nat. That's why she's not doing the interview today. Whether it was her stellar collegiate indoor volleyball career, where she is considered the best all-round player in history, or her unprecedented 102-match winning streak in international beach volleyball in 2007-2008, Carrie Walsh Jennings somehow manages to win Sportswoman of the Year as well, as you do. Way to be a nice person and a winningest person. They don't always go together. So she has transcended the sport of beach volleyball by winning gold in 2004, 2008, and again in 2012 with her partner, Misty May. And so the reason I say transcended is because when she appeared on Oprah, it was like, <laughs> she's made it. Okay. So it really solidified her as a star. She has you know, on the backs of every athlete, there she was. And I want to say that it's because of Oprah, but really for me, it's the fact that she's raised three kids with her husband, Casey, during this whole golden ride, like hats off girlfriend. So you truly epitomize the Whitney Houston song, every woman. Sometimes I sing, but I'm not going to today. And she's now heading up her passion project P1440. And those of you that can figure out why it's called that, you win a prize, with her hobby, and it's a digital platform exclusively built around the sport and culture of beach volleyball. 
but don't think she's done getting her feet sandy as she is the she is in the running for qualification for her sixth Olympic Games. Sorry again, Nat. <laughs> You're just like to the floor. And don't think the first ever postponement of the games will get her down because it only serves as more time to sharpen the blade, as she commented. And it's her attitude for life that I really want to explore. Yes, she's one of the winningest athletes of all time, but she's so much more than that. She's somehow relatable and lovely, it's an Aussie word, and smart and funny and lovingly thoughtful and courageous all balled into one. So if you're happy to go there, I'd love to dive in and, you know, really understand how does a human like you come to be? You happy with that? You're so nice. <laughs> I'm <like> sweating. <laughs> I know. You've got to live up to that. I do. Okay, good. Thank you. Oh, I my gosh. <laughs> You're hilarious. Honestly, I knew that. I was like, she's going to get really red during this. Um, <laughs> so nice. But the thing is so interesting about you is I've known you for quite some time. And like a fine wine, you truly just get better with age. And I think that's a quality about success. They say that success is the great magnifier. Like if you were a jerk, you get to be a bigger jerk. And if you are a good person, that goodness just gets spread to more people. And before we get into how you're handling this COVID isolation with your hubby and three kids, could you take us back to mini Carrie, not short Carrie, like mini version <laughs> and what you dreamt for your life as a little girl. So, you know, is scout seven now? How old is she? On Monday. Oh, wow. It's her birthday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's almost seven. So you, knowing what you know about her now, can you bring us back to what kind of visions or what you were thinking about when you were seven? What a cute question. <laughs> I would, I mean, to put myself in scout shoes is like a gift. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Sarah, it's so interesting. I feel like I feel like I've grown a lot since I was seven-year-old Carrie. Obviously, I'm 41 plus. Um, but I feel like I still, the heart of me is the same, like exactly the same. And the way I grew up, um, it was because of my surroundings, because of the love that was around me at all times, um, my environment. I just lived, I lived in the moment and I lived for whatever was happening. So like just my childhood in general, it was all family, faith, and school and sports. That was my whole existence. And fast forward 40 years, not much has changed, you know? And I never, like in my sports career, I just wanted to be really good, you mm -hmm. know? And I would, my parents would say, Carrie, if you, if you want to go to the next step, you know, just do A, B, and C and put your heart into it. No excuses, work your butt off, go to school, do great, and it'll work out. And I just... So I always just looked a little bit ahead of where I was to where I wanted to go. But mostly I just committed in the moment to being what I could be, as great as I could be. And it just, my life keeps unfolding. So my, my long, terrible answer that I'm not articulating is just that life keeps unfolding. I, I live where I'm at really honestly and truthfully. That doesn't mean cleanly because I'm a poop show and I have been a lot in my life. Um, but everything I've done in my life has been meaningful. And I'm, I'm all in generally when I choose something, it just keeps leading me places that are just ever more inspiring and allows me to get to know myself better and the world better and introduces me to even, you know, more and more special people. So 
I love that because it's just that sense of wanting to be just that little bit better. And so if you, so you were, your, your main things were sort of like basketball, volleyball in the early days. Is that right? It was in season. Okay. <laughs> what, like, so all yeah. Sport. All sport. Yeah. So would you I be in the backyard, like practicing things? Are you like dribble, 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 dribble? Or are you kind of like, oh, I just like doing it with my friends and. No. Ah, well, I didn't really have friends growing up because I had my brother and I are 11 months apart. Um, so we were like twins everywhere. He went, I went and the fact that he was older, I got to do things a little bit earlier in life. Right. I mean, it's only a year, but so I got to hang with him and his buddies. Um, are we okay? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, freeze. I'm sorry. Now I hear you good. Um, yeah. So, um, so we, whatever was in season we were playing, my parents generally were the coaches uh, my brother and I were the oldest kids of five, and so um, we kind of just ruled the roost. I grew up in on acreage in the Redwoods in Northern California. Um, my parents were ever-present, but they gave us a lot of freedom. We weren't, literally were not allowed in the house on a nice day. <laughs> so we had a lot of freedom to explore and just be whatever. So I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is my days were free, and they were spent with just blood you know, yeah. my brother and, and I have a billion cousins and we all lived by each other and we would play sports and then we'd hop in the pool and then we'd climb the mountain and then we, you know, play laser tag. Like we were just always outside exploring. Um, yeah. And sports were a big part of it, but um, it would just felt like family. It didn't really feel like we were practicing, you know? Did you ever get, feel like as you started getting older and you're more in a system, let's say like at school or clubs and things, did you ever experience your experience yourself as lazy and like, were your parents there to demonstrate discipline or were you, was it innate? You just always had it. I don't, I mean, this would be a great question for my parents, but I, I didn't need any motivation to train hard or practice. Um, my parents have been amazing role models in so many ways with regard to their relationship. They've married 44 years, been through everything, survived it, um, and are thriving. They're wonderful. I mean, they're surviving COVID. My mom locked down together right now. <laughs> And my mom is like, I'll see. <laughs> yeah. and they're polar opposites. So it's hilarious how they're handling it. But um, my parents were rad role models with regard to sports and competition and just the importance of family and faith. Um, so I think that it was nature and nurture, certainly. And then mm -hmm. just my environment supported, like I was inspired. You know, my parents talked about, like, we're a sports family, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents and all my aunts and uncles and cousins. And my parents just, we watched a lot of greatness, you know, and I feel like that kind of bled into me. And, and you know, if you're playing, you're playing to win. Um, if you're going to practice, you do it right. You never make excuses. No one wants to hear it. And so that was kind mm -hmm. of just put into my head from day one. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's been wonderful. You know, okay, I need to ask more about that. That's really cool. Cause I, I get what you're saying. It's sort of like this inspiration around greatness and then these little messages around what greatness looks like. So tell me your definition of greatness from how you grew up to now. You know, man, well, I mean, so I grew up in the eighties, right? Um, so I like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and the San Francisco Giants, and the 49ers with Joe Montana, Roger Craig. I'm talking to Aussies and Canadians here. I don't know if you guys know these people. Oh, they're pretty legendary. Know. I hope that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where'd you get your we're, girls? We're judging you if you don't know. So Google that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, greatness to me definitely was associated with winning mm -hmm. and not just winning once, but winning a lot, 
you know, and it was not just the winning of it, but it's like the way you won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I, what I came Tell to me learn more about that. What do you mean? The way you win? Um, with grace and integrity and a lot of celebration and just unity, you know, like the teams that I, I always gravitate toward are the teams, you know, who are like, yeah, they're superstars, but the superstars put themselves kind of everyone's just a craftsman and they're on the same team. You know, no one's above the other. And I grew up in that era where I feel like every great team, um, you know, just had that team chemistry. Michael Jordan was Jordan, but he created the Bulls and this amazing team around him and he made everyone around him better. And my parents would point stuff like that, like that out to me, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's so powerful to have these seeds planted in you by your parents, you know, they go out and model it. And then they, they would take me to Stanford university, which was 20 minutes away. And I would get to watch the college kids compete and they would just plant seeds. Hey, care, you want to go here? <laughs> if you want to go here, you know, it's possible and it's in your hands to a certain extent. And this is what you got to do. And so my parents just always put the decisions, um, and my dreams in my own hands. You know, they planted the seeds, which planted the seeds of my dreams. And they kind of gave me the formula, which was really simple. Um, be all in, um, have a great attitude, be a great teammate and work your ass off, you know, and that was kind of it. Which is so cool because I love that it sort of was modeled and spoken about. And then as you navigated greatness and winning, what are some of your challenges? Like what's your thing? What do you come up against in order to, you know, achieve your own greatness? Not that you want to necessarily tell your Achilles heel, but it can no. be mentally emotional as well. Like, what's your thing? What do you come up against? Myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, man. So I, I had this realization about a year ago that, I mean, fear of failure looms large, I think, for most humans. For me, in my competitive career, it drove me to be great in high school, in college, like in high school, I was afraid to not get that scholarship that I wanted. Right. And it just, it drove me and same thing in college. I want to go to the national team. And then I wanted to go to the beach and it it really worked for me as far as motivation. And, um, I just, it it made me standpoint. And at some point, I think it was around Rio, maybe in the lead up to Rio in 2016 with the Olympics, it just stopped working. And, I, the inner critic in me has always been really loud and something I'm working on, but I'm just, she's an a-hole and <laughs> she needs to pipe down because that combined with the fear of failure is, was, is minimizing me. It's no longer like elevating me to greatness and pissing me off to greatness. It's like diminishing me because I'm believing it more for whatever reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's my Achilles heel is myself, you know? And I, I feel like because I have this inner critic, combined with the fact that I just, I do not, I hate failing. I hate feeling like I, like I let people down, like I let myself down. Um, I, I would then see the world and the competitive landscape as, oh my God, that like, she's superhuman. They're untouchable. Like I started to look at the competition that way, which is not me. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is beatable and I get so excited to play against the best because they're going to bring out the best in me. But that's, that part of me started to go away because of, you know, my, my, my mechanism to prepare to become great, that wasn't working anymore. So I needed to, I, I'm creating a new process to go into the, you know, the better part of me. And I don't know what that is yet. I'm so glad you brought this up because I think some of what you're doing is navigating a new path because 
I noticed what you're talking about in myself. I knew that my drive that got me to one place left the building. Very yeah. similar. It was like a, a, I call it a prover. I want, I was, my drive was, I want to prove something. And when that left the building, I just didn't have anything left. And I think you're looking for, well, what is there if that's not there? I remember reading The Power of Now, um, Eckhart Tolle's book, Tolle's book, while playing and thinking, why do I do this? Like, I just felt so insignificant as an athlete trying to win when I felt like there was a bigger game going on in life. And I remember some good mentorship at the moment about how you can actually be a demonstration of being in the moment in sport. And I had, I wasn't looking at it like that because my brain wasn't, it was like a whole new construct way of thinking. And so I'm so glad you brought it up because you said you're in your forties, you're navigating new territory. I even think that as a mom, there's some really interesting stuff. So I have so many things I want to say, and I'm like debating whether to go off of this because I do want to ask a question. So as a mom, did anything shift in terms of how you were motivated? Did any of your why you do it shift or did it sort of, you have like two lives, you have mom life and sport life. You know, well, A, I don't <laughs> because everything just bleeds into each other. Okay. Like my life is like every plate, every plate is very full, but I only have a couple plates, you know? So my family, we're one of five and we have one, two, three, four, five animals right now, <laughs> you know, four are reptiles. So those don't really count because they're so easy to take care of. But like my family life is full, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I got my career um, on the court and like, I guess, social life and my people outside of that. But that's my life. It's pretty simple, you know? Um, but when I had my children prior to having kids, um, Casey and I got married in 2005. And it was, I started to be so crazy to have a baby. And I was like, this has to happen. Like, we can do this fast and I can be ready by Beijing. Like, let's do this, right? And we got pregnant and I had a miscarriage. And the way it happened, I had to I had to wait at least a year and a half to try to get pregnant. Otherwise, there could have been cancer. It could have been all this stuff. And so the decision was made. We wait till after Beijing. But the ride to Beijing, I hated it. And I started to I started to my job felt trivial, because probably like you felt like it's like life is so much more than this. Like what am I doing? Like come on. Like I want to get my life started. And for me, I just. I was so sick of focusing on myself, you know, and I wanted to be a mommy so bad. And so that happened. Um, And once I had my children though, it was like a new rebirth into the appreciation of my career and my sport because sport has always, I mean, sport when I was 10 gave me a voice. Like I was a mute, like so shy, so quiet, so introverted. And I was able to express myself when I found volleyball at 10 years old. Now you can't shut me up, but it just, it's helped me to find myself. And now that I'm 41 and you know how it is, like every quadrennial, like every ride to the Olympics, you live four years of life mm-hmm. and volleyball is part of that, but you're growing and learning. And I've been a different human, you know, a leveled up human at every point. And so now where I'm at with this is like, it's so inspiring to have my kids and they are on the team. And I just feel like somewhere inside of me, I should be doing this better by now. And I'm kind of, you know, like, and not like playing better. I feel like I'm playing great, but it's like the emotional and the mental side of it that I'm just in my way. And I, someone asked me the other day, are you having fun? And I'm like, I am not having fun, but I'm on the verge of having the most fun ever because I'm working through all this nonsense, you know? And it's so hard to speak. It's like, 
it's emotion and it's, you know, it's just, it's like a lifetime of trying to like release baggage and, you know, um, but I'm so excited for this pause, um, because I feel like I'll be able to get to the point where I can dance with wherever I'm at in life with my kids, Mm -hmm. with my husband being my coach and my true love and wanting to be the best there's ever been. All this is coming, but it's been a messy process. Um, I don't even know what the question was. I don't know. But I, no, I don't even care what the question was because I love what you just said, because I think firstly, I everyone's getting how open and honest you are. Love that. Um, and I think that's why, you know, high performing human, every quad. So firstly, just so you know, even after you try from volleyball, somehow you will notice your life happens in four years because Nat, I'm noticing how much her life happens in four-year pods it's hilarious so it's it it becomes quite ingrained um and there is like whether it's even a sport periodization but it's almost like an emotional periodization i think of like how you adapt and i don't know if you get this but as tournaments and like more important things would come up this like sort of like anal intense like a guitar string just starts tightening And like to be the coach of women in this phase is quite intense. Um, And to live it is intense. So firstly, I want to say something to all of you out there. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself. We can't even know what it's like to ask ourselves questions at this level because you're always exposed. Most people hide this stuff, Carrie. So if you're wondering why you're, you still don't have it all figured out, it's because everybody else hasn't figured it out, but they're sort of justifying the heck out of it. So kudos to you. You're living your life pretty exposed. Actually, that really does help. And I know that. I'm going to tell you because when you retire, it gets easier. (laughs) You think so? You could go, yo, yeah, you under the radar it way better. You start, you become the mass justifier. No, well, I really do think it got easier. The mass justifier, that's hilarious. Because one of my favorite quotes um, is from Abraham Hicks. And she always says, do not argue for your own limitations. Mm. And it's like everything out of my mouth. I'm like, I did it again. I did it again. (laughs) Stop. But she she also says, because she's my biggest mentor. So love that you're bringing that up. She also talks about, because I've been, since 2003, she talks about not trying to bite your words back. You know that feeling? Once you start realizing how important our thoughts are and and like the things we say, they used to call it the science of deliberate creation and then they changed it to the art. Yes. Which I liked because my perfectionistic brain was wanting to bite things back. Like, oh, don't say that. You're going to manifest it. Like that, that's what I used to get all attached to. Um, and now, now what I love, and again, I think it's easier when you're not as exposed as you are is that contrast. So these, everything you're saying right now, what I get is it's like this contrast to help you live out your dream. No doubt. No doubt. And it's so mm-hmm. exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, and I don't want to say largely because it's like 60, 40 where I'm in that space where like, this is awesome. Like this contrast, this disruption is provoking me into a new and better place. And it's showing me what I don't want and what I do want. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's the way that's like, that's my view of the world and of life. Right. Like I just, I, I just, I believe it's all for a purpose. I believe I've invited all of the craziness and the madness and the heartache. I've, I've invited these experiences in my life to grow through and for my soul to grow through and to transcend them. 
Um, and now I feel like where I'm at right now, just with my kind of my mental state and emotional state, it's just, I, I, I'm unpacking stuff and it's so exciting, but I, I hate that I'm kind of a bigger a-hole than I want to be right now. And that I'm not more in control of my reactions, you know, cause I, cause I just, I believe I have a Jedi inside, but I'm like the opposite of that right now. And I hate it. I get it. I get it. Have you ever heard this, that expression? Like if you know how to something like, if you think you're a prophet, go spend time with your family or something, something like that. And it's, it's that idea. Like just when I thought that I'd gone to enough courses, read enough books, was doing enough 10 day meditation courses. Then I go home for Christmas and, <laughs> and you think, well, what happened? I'm 14. Awesome. Like I'm with my brothers. I have three brothers. And so I totally get this emotion. And even I remember my beach volleyball partner, Marie-André saying to a guy we worked with once on our mentality, she was like, I already worked on that. How could this be coming up again? And she was so oh. mad. And I totally understand that emotion of like, does this ever end? Like, does this kind of like stop? And, and you know what he said? It never ends. No. Mr. Good news. Um, like you know. but that's a joy. Cause then we'd be dead. I know exactly. Like I've come to, um, sorry for who this is, but Lance Armstrong once said this, this idea that his step onto the podium and the next step off that next step off was the first step to his next tour. And, and that always had me think, oh, wow. So it's like, it's not, it really isn't a destination. Right. Like it's not gonna, you know, we even now 2020, oh, that Tokyo, there's a destination. Oh no, it's postponed. Yeah. Well, Hey, they're all just pit stops. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I love that you brought up Lance because I mean, talk about like mm. inviting experiences into our world and our lives that we grow through. Like mm -hmm. I'm such a believer in people learning. <laughs> you know, and, and getting second chances. And I don't know what he's up to in his life. Um, but I hope, I hope he turned that around. You know, I know he raises a lot of money and does a lot of good, but, cool. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I gotta, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, a believer like that too. They call me Pollyanna and <laughs> okay. This is actually the perfect time to bring this up because I've always been very inspired by this and I want people to hear a little bit more. So you fought for your relationship with your husband, like, I remember when it was rough and a lot of people were saying to you, you know, Carrie, they had their own ideas about it, whether they thought you should move on. And I really remember that time and how you now have a story to tell. So what gave you the fortitude to fight for it? And what did it teach you about staying the course in relationship? Man, um, you're right. I'm, I do have a story to tell and it's, I'm so proud of it because my God, we did go through hell. You know, I started dating Casey in 2001, um, introduced him to my parents when we were just friends. Two months mm -hmm. later, I was madly in love and I told my parents and they at that point started hating him. So like three months into my relationship with Casey um, until literally 10 years later, they hated him. Like mm -hmm. my parents are amazing amazing human beings like amazing period and they they just treat they were so in fear for me mm -hmm. and they had painted this picture of Casey in their heads that they're like I we have to protect my daughter and I will do anything and they justified this treatment and so for 10 years I tried to make both sides happy 
dumbest mistake ever. Cause, cause I knew, I know my parents and I, and it's my parents plus a tribe of family that's fiercely loyal and they were trying to make me choose sides. Right. That wasn't going to work because I was madly in love. Um, but I'm like, so they all- saw him like a bad boy. Is that right? They saw him. I mean, Casey is raised Mormon. I'm Catholic. Got he it. grew up in Vegas. You know, his parents were divorced. Um, beach bum. You know, I'm like, I'm a beach bum. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's my job too. But, you know, they just, all of it was just rationale because they were just so scared. He, if Casey, you know, whatever. Casey could have any resume and they would have been like, no. I, because oh. I... I think because I was just partnering with Misty, like there's this wide open new life, you know, um, and they just wanted me to focus and be safe. And yeah, Casey's from Vegas. He's got Vegas <laughs> and he made me wild and free for the first time. And I was away from them in Southern California and they're Northern. So they lost all control over me and that drove this fear. But for 10 years, got I tried it. to use both sides. That really hurt Casey very deeply. Um, and I knew that, I just really the whole time thought I could make it work. So that didn't work. Um, the wheels, we got married in 05. The wheels like came off our vessel in 2008 and 2009. Um, I was pre- after Beijing where we got really disconnected. I was blissfully unaware because I was so focused on winning and, and Missy and I were winning everything. And so I was being really fulfilled by that. And um I would write Casey love letters, but he stopped reading them. Like we just got really disconnected and I would never see him. We were both different sides of the world, you know? And so we won in Beijing, um, got pregnant with Joy right away. And I'm like literally like two days overdue um, from having Joey. And Casey's like, I need a divorce. I cannot do this. Like we're done. And it was so shocking. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, do you see what I'm like, (laughs) you're a pop right now. And I love you. You're my, I'm your girl. Like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, I'm done, Carrie. You don't hear me. You don't see me. You're, we're not the same people. He was drinking a lot at the time. Um, really sad and hurt over 10 years, you know, uh, feeling neglected and unappreciated. And, um, and so I, we had Joey, Casey went, he was on the FIB tour, traveling around, drinking a lot, like really unhealthy, really sad. Um, he was ready for divorce. Um, and I asked him to go to rehab. I asked him to go three times to rehab. Uh, third time he's like, fine, I'll go, but we're still gonna get divorced. I still want nothing to do with you. You know, we'll live down the street from each other because of Joey, but we're done. Um, and I was like, no problem, just please go. Cause I just wanted enough clarity. So anyhow, so that, just to paint that picture, the entire time, I just know Casey, like I know his soul so much and I know how magic we are together. And I know I am at my best with him because he elicits this stuff from me. And so the whole time I just went back to how much love we truly have together, even though he was so far from that, when he would show me moments of softness or kindness, I'd be like, I still see you. And that like kept me going because it was really, really gnarly cried. I mean, you know, it was gnarly. And then um, I got help. You know, um, Casey kind of kept unloading on me everything that I did to hurt him over our relationship. And I was like, well, I can't control you and what you're going to do. I'm going to go and get help for me, you know, work through my baggage. You know, how, how did I shut you out? Why, you know, whatever armor I, I was wearing toward you, I need to get rid of. And so I went to work on myself and he went to work on himself in rehab and out of rehab. And we just, we made it work. Wow. Gnarly stuff, Sarah. And it, it served us for, it will serve us for our whole life. Like we're, 
we're at an interesting time in our relationship now because it's so nuanced with him coaching and now we're all in lockdown together and um 1440 like we can't escape each other <laughs> and it's not I would never want to but it's just you know we need to figure out how to dance together in these kind of high stress environments because I used to, we used to each have sacred bubbles that we neither of us went to you know, like I, Casey had his time over here and I had mine over here, at least this much of our, you know, a little bit of each day. Now we don't have that at all. And we're with each other in very intense environments. And that kind of, you know, trial by fire in 2008, 2009 has prepared us for all of this. Um, Cause we will never forget how much we love each other. We'll never forget that we're willing to do anything to make us work. And that ultimately we love and respect each other so much. So we have that going for us. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Thank you for bringing that up. That relationships, a woman, um, a therapist once said that any great relationship is never accidental. It's deliberately created. And I was like, oh, I love that because I think a lot of people are going to relate to what you just shared. And some people might be on the other side of that. You know, they might have had the divorce. And I love that what you're saying is now there's other challenges. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, we're both addicted to growth and we both want to grow together, but we are both very opinionated. You know, I, I felt compelled to share this cause I, I know you have a really um, engaged audience. Something that I heard, and this was like mind blowing for me is that um, couples with kids five and under divorce should never be on the table. Like it just shouldn't be a thought because life is hard. Like just understand that life is hard in those moments. So if you think that you're unique and you guys are growing apart, like just take a moment and mm-hmm. get through the weeds together, you know, and just, you know, just fight for the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever that really helps me. Like knowing little things like that, like, oh, it is hard. That's actually awesome, by the way. That should be a, that should be very well known because Matt and I, after Jordan, we both experienced the hardest part. Like we found it so hard. And our thing about having one, so you have three, we committed to each other. We aren't having another child the way we are right now because we felt that that would just help us distract even more away from the fact that we'd rather talk about the kids than each other or look at each other. And so we could see, and it was so contrasting to how we used to be. So we really felt it. It was like, ah, this is, and the more we tried to fix it, the worse it got. It's like trying to scratch a freaking scab, you know, it's like open the wound, open the wound, open the wound. And so I love what you just said. It's like an acceptance of, of that. It's different actually. Yeah. I love this new iteration. So we're all in it with you. So I really, that's what I love about you. You're just so raw and real. And that's what makes you great. And what I love that you're Ron real about is that greatness, this is how it looks guys, because our audience, no, Carrie, this is important because you are demonstrating like a lot of people, you know how you said you started to put like your competitors or whatever, like on this pedestal, Yes. you know, I think that we do that. And that's not great for anybody because then what it does is it distances us from our own potential Totally. because we say, oh, she's got some gene or her parents were different or she grew up on acreage. So, you know, mm. that's just things that we say to ourselves to not go through the challenges and obstacles that you're currently going through. Yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah, we're all in it. 
Yeah, you know, I was, I, I don't even know if this is appropriate, but I was, I was thinking there, because I get called naive a lot. I get called like your life is, my, and I am kind of, but um, my, my eyes are opening more and more every day, but I am Pollyanna and I don't mind it. Like I, I rock that and I'm proud of that because that's choice too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking like, I have, I have experienced very close connection or with myself, um, murder, rape, loss of a sibling um miscarriage like financial almost near bankruptcy like i have experienced so many things and 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 then you know on the sports side of things the career side of things like like gnarly gnarly stuff you know and and in my marriage gnarly gnarly stuff and i think that just fuels my heart because it's like life is still despite all of that so astounding and so beautiful and when i all the people i look to like i give them a pass like gabrielle reese is one of my favorite humans in the world and i always feel like she thinks i'm kissing her ass when i say i think you're so amazing um because i can't help it if i think you're rad i'm gonna tell you i think you're rad and she's like but carrie like i feel just as you feel on the inside like i feel like i'm a shit show and i am a shit show and i'm like but gabby i know that and I, it makes me love you more because I know you're imperfect and I know this is hard to do what you're doing, but I can't do that for myself. You know, like, I'm just like, Carrie, get your act together. Like, you know, like I call myself a shit show every day. Cause I am, <laughs> and I don't, I'm sorry, poop show. Um, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just sick of it, but maybe I should just start starting accepting it because it's, I invite this cause I'm growing. You know? Yeah. And I also think, like when I think about what you said about Pollyanna, it's a choice, like owning that. It's also, I think your life looks Pollyanna to people for a reason. And I thank you for saying some of the challenges that you face, because even though you face that with Casey, there's a certain amount of grace. Like for me, that's greatness. And not because you weren't honest. Everyone can see you're freaking honest. But the grace is to stay in the conversation, to stay in the game. And like your career is that we are all going to follow you with extra heart because I think that you let us in. I I really appreciate that. Appreciate that about you. You as a mom, you let us in, you let us see what's possible. I just want to share this with you that you and Casey gave me the courage to stand where no one else in my family was standing around technology and TV. Um, and just really allowing Jordan to flourish. Like her creativity has flourished since doing that. And like, I had to hold the banner because nobody else believed, but you guys posted this little video once. And I just remember thinking that's what's possible. So from a parent, as an athlete, um, yeah, thank you for being a really amazing human. It's beautiful. Well, right back at you, darling. Like, I, I feel like the one, not the one thing, but one of the biggest things in my life that points to I'm doing things okay are the people who I love and who love me. And I include you in that and my husband. I'm just surrounded by really incredible humans, which makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So that's good. Boom. Mwah. Yeah. You're rad. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And 
in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review.